You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. When I was preparing this message and uh, came up with the title, Where True Friends Take Us, and where true friends take us, I'm going to tell you the answer right now. They take us to Jesus. True friends will take us to Jesus. And uh, one of the things that I found in my life is one of the greatest pleasures is getting together with old friends. Because what happens when you get together with old friends? A lot of stories get told, right? So stories of things that you did together, memories that may have been embarrassing at the time, but now you laugh at them. There's a companionship there. There's a love that is shared. There's a bonding that occurs because of those shared experiences. Friends can take us back to a happier time. Now, my golf buddies, I like to play golf, and uh, someday they're going to talk about a tee shot that I hit this year. And my wife and her friends are going to talk about it too. On the second hole out at New Prague, uh, it's a short hole, 285 yards. I've driven the green before. Um, and I get up on the tee, and I hit it right off the toe of the club. Goes straight right, hits a tree, and goes down in the hole. I am now farther away from the hole than I was when I teed off. And it's down in a hole between the, our, the hole we're on and the next one. And so I had wanted to hit that second shot as quickly as I could before somebody saw me. <laughs> it was too late. Becky and her friends were on hole number four. The tee box was just right next to that hole. I had a lot of questions to ask, answer when I got back to the clubhouse. They will tell that story. because I, The reason I know that they will tell that story because there's a previous time where I hit a shot similar to that and it ended up in a sand trap almost directly to the right of the tee box uh, on a different golf course. So uh, those are the types of things that happen when we get together with friends and we have stories to tell about all the fun funny, and sometimes the great things that have happened in our lives. Along with the funny stories, we'll have encouraging ones, moments when friends did things with us that changed our lives, simple things that have eternal impact. And that's what I want to focus on today, because the passage that I've chosen to preach on today is a story about friends who lowered their friend in front of Jesus through the roof of a house. Now, I bet that they will tell, they're probably still telling that story in heaven because we're still telling it here. So let's go to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. I want to read it, and then I'm going to do kind of like the color on football. You know, that football, they have the color commentator, and they have the guy who's actually, he's telling the boring stuff. The guy, number 37, got the ball. He ran it 10 yards. The color guy fills in all the stuff. So we're going to fill in after I finish reading this. One of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then, some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, 
Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. So as we look at this passage, and we go through it again here, now there's two groups of people, two sets of people. We have Jesus and the Pharisees are over here. We have a paralytic man, and we have some friends. We don't know if it's two, it could be four, who knows how many. But there's some friends over here. Um, we have two different places. So the house, wherever they are at, we have two different heart attitudes. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're interested in trying to figure out whether or not Jesus is teaching properly. That's all they care about. They're, they're not there to have a relationship with Jesus. They just want to see if they're smarter than he is. Okay? And then we have the paralytic and his friends. They love their friends so much, that they, and they've heard that Jesus can heal. So they want to bring their friend to meet Jesus, a hard attitude that we want to meet Jesus because we know that he can heal our friend. The friends have heard that Jesus is around. He can heal. And so they pick up his mat, his stretcher. We don't know it's a bad stretcher. Um, so, and they start to carry it. I want you to think about this. I've been a pallbearer. Carrying a, a coffin is heavy. Carrying a friend on a stretcher is not going to be easy. We don't know how far they had to carry it. But they love their friends so much they begin carrying it. And they, and they start carrying it. And they arrive at the house, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they don't care about this guy on the stretcher. So they're, they're going, excuse me, we, we want to get a friend in. Excuse me. They refuse to move. The friends don't give up. The friends say, no, well, they're in our way. Time to rethink. They're stubborn. I love these guys. You know what? I love them because they're stubborn like me. But they break the rules and they break the rules for all the right reasons. All the decorum and everything else goes out the window here because their friend needs to get healed. Jesus can do it, and they want to get him in there. So, so they begin to scheme and plan. And they walk around the house, and they see the walls prevent them from getting in. The windows are too small. We can't pass them through the windows. Can't get in the door. There's a stairway up the side of the house. It goes up to the roof. So they begin to scheme. And they send one guy out to get ropes, another guy to get pry bars and shovels. And they go up on the roof, and they map out um, where Jesus is. So he's about six feet from this wall, about 12 feet from that wall. And, and my, my wife put in here, you can almost hear the Mission Impossible theme song playing. In the, bum, 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 bum. And they start to dig. Because this, you know, the, the story says tile. Tile is just too generic. There would have been palm fronds and dirt up there because they go up on the house and they do things on top of the roof. And they start to dig. And here's what's happening inside the house. The people hear the thumping on the roof and the scraping sound. And right above Jesus, the little dust starts to come down and hit him on the head. And as they get further and further in the roof, it starts accelerating and it starts accelerating. Pretty soon you're ripping a piece off. And, and the homeowner's inside going, oh, ah, what, what is this my house? You're wrecking my house. And, and 
They don't care. And they have to open up a hole big enough to get a stretcher through. So here's a six-foot by two-foot hole in the roof of the house. And they lower their friend down on the ropes as gently as they can in front of Jesus. And Jesus, I'm sure, is just, he's probably trying not to laugh, okay? Because these guys love their friends so much that they'd do this much for them. And, and the guys are looking down through the hole, and Jesus is smiling up at them, and they're looking down and, do your thing. And, and Jesus turns and looks at the man on the mat, and the whole house gets quiet. And everybody looks at Jesus. The Pharisees are thinking, let's see what this guy does. They rudely interrupted our session. I want to see how he handles this. And Jesus turns to the man on the mat who looks at him with pleading eyes and probably looks away a little embarrassed. And Jesus said, because of their friend's faith, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's going, huh? The guy's on the roof. No, 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 no. That's not what we brought him for. And the Pharisees are starting to think to themselves, what a blasphemer. Doesn't he know that only God can forgive sins because God is the one we sin against? And so Jesus understands that. And to, to prove that he is truly God, he turns and says to the guy, to prove that I have this authority, that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, I tell you, pick up your mat and get out of here. And the, the lame guy picks up his mat. And I don't know how he got through because everybody must have parted. They wouldn't let him in, but they let him out. And he said, the guys in the roof are jumping off the roof trying to get down, run around and hug the friend. The friend is praising God, the people inside the house. The Pharisees at first, mouths open in awe. They don't know what to say, first time ever in their whole lives. It's one of those things where, you know, the people who always talk, they don't know what to say. And then the people in the house begin to praise God and give glory to God. We have seen amazing and astounding things. Now, that's a story that's going to be told in heaven over and over. I want to see the YouTube video when I get to, to, to Jesus because I want to see what was happening in that house. The men loved their paralytic friend so much that they were willing to do that. The title of the message that I have today, again, is Where True Friends Take Us. And true friends take us to the feet of Jesus where forgiveness and healing are given. I want you to think back now for yourself. Who were the true friends that brought you to Jesus? I know for me, it began with the guy who's the best man at my wedding, a friend from high school, who started a Bible study. I went to that Bible study. It was finally my brother um, who led me to Christ, who brought me into the presence of Jesus so that I could cross into eternal life. It was because friends were willing to bring me to Jesus that I'm even here today. Now, I always have a bumper sticker, and a bumper sticker for our message today is this. The depth of our faith determines the length of our resolve. If you want to think about what the paralytic's friends believed, they believed that Jesus could heal with enough depth that they were to, willing to bypass all norms and rules of their society to get their friend to Jesus. The depth of their faith led to the length of their resolve. 
Now, the key passage in this verse really has nothing to do with the paralytic and the friends other than to say for Jesus to say, I am God. Because when you, if, if I were teaching this in a seminary or someplace, the key to this passage is Jesus was trying to prove to the people there that I am God. I do have authority to forgive sins, but not only that, I can heal people too. The authority to forgive sins was better and bigger and more powerful than the authority to give sins. And that's in verses 22 through 24, and it says this. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your, mat, your stretcher and go home. So I can say anything I want. So if I were to say your sins are forgiven, there is no proof of that. But when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, and they scoff at that, but then he says, okay, paralyzed guy, get up and, and leave. Um, we see proof that he is exactly who he says he is and that he has that authority. Everything else happens that happens in this passage, this is the core. It, it's all fluff around it. And, and we can learn principles from these people, but the real thing that we need to understand is that Jesus is God and that he is the one who has the authority to forgive sins. And that should shape everything that we do with our whole life. The depth of our faith determines the length of our resolve. The friends brought the paralytic to Jesus because they believed he could heal them. What we believe about Jesus will determine how far we will follow him and to what lengths we will go to fulfill his mission for us. Because of the friends of the paralytic believed that Jesus, only Jesus, could heal him, they carried him who knows how far. When their way was blocked by people, they found a way around them. When their way was blocked by walls of the building, they went to the roof. When the roof was blocked, blocked their entry, they dug a hole through it. Because of their belief that only Jesus could heal their friend, they did not try to take him to anyone else. So when we think about who are we going to bring people to to find forgiveness, who are we going to bring people to to find freedom from bondage? Who are we going to bring people to to, to find healing? If we believe there's somebody else that can do that, then we, we don't have the depth of faith that will bring them to Jesus. Now, I do believe that doctors are there for us to bring people to, that med modern medicine is part of what we have. So I'm not saying we avoid doctors, but what I'm saying is that we should take people to Jesus because we believe that he is the one who can actually change their situation. On top of that, because of the love of their friend was so great, they didn't give up when their way was blocked. So when we love somebody and we want them to have the best, we want them to see Jesus, we want them to be forgiven, we should never give up. If we give up, it says that our love is not enough. We need more. We need the love that Jesus has. The depth of our faith coupled with the love of with love will drive us to never quit trying to introduce our friends for Jesus. The paralytic was bound by his physical disability. His friends could see that. When Jesus saw the man, he saw a man bound by sin, enslaved to it, unable to escape it. So he freed him from those chains first. That was the most important thing, free him from his sins. 
Then to prove he had authority to do so to the skeptical religious leaders, he freed the man from his physical disability too. And this is what happens when we bring people to Jesus. When we bring people to Jesus and let them truly meet our Savior, he will free them from their bondages. And we have bondages that are spiritual that we need Jesus to free us from. We have emotional bondages. We may have physical bondages. All sorts of things that can tie us and slow us down and cause us to be paralyzed in what we want to do for Jesus. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can bring our friends to Jesus. When we believe Jesus can free our friends with all our heart, it will cause us to want to bring them to him. I'm going to read some passages here. And these are reasons we should want to bring our friends to Jesus. First one in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. If we believe anything else, then we're going to miss the desire to bring people to Jesus. And on top of that, if there was some other way, then Jesus' death on the cross was really a cruel act by his father because he would not have needed to die on the cross if there was some other way for people to come. John 10, 23 through 30, Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. He is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. So when we bring people to Jesus, and they accept his gift of eternal life, they have that gift of eternal life. Jesus promises it to them. And not only that, he says that no one can take them out of the Father's hand. Nobody. Played that game with your kids? No. Nobody can take it out of, us out of the Father's hand. John 14, 12. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If, if not, I would have told you I'm going to wait to prepare a place for you. If I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that, you may, so that where I am you may be. You know, this passage really refers to what would happen with a groom and a bride in the time of Jesus. That the groom would build a room onto his father's house and then he would go and get his bride and bring her back. And this was their place. Jesus promises us a place next to him in his father's house that he would bring us to when our time on earth is done. That's what is waiting for our friends. These are the promises that we should desire for our friends, that they would have eternal life, that they would not spend an eternity in hell, that they would be with the Father, with Jesus, when that time comes that God calls us home. And we don't know when that is. My brother was 45 when he died. My sister was 53. We don't know what day that we're going to be taken from this earth. We need to start bringing our friends now. If our friends are freed from the bondage of sin by coming into a personal relationship with Jesus, accepting his death on the cross as payment for their sins and the resurrection as a hope of eternal life with him, they will experience these blessings, but also many, many more.
On top of this, we need to believe that there is no one who is beyond the reach of Jesus' forgiveness. When we begin to doubt the ability of Jesus to save someone, again, we'll be restricted in our desire to bring them to Jesus. Why should I waste my time if they're beyond salvation? Well, let me tell you about some of the people that Jesus saved. There was a thief next to him on the cross that Jesus forgave and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times on the night that he was betrayed and ran away. And Jesus forgave him, and he entered his kingdom. On top of that, Peter became the, the leader of the church. Paul, who persecuted and approved of the murders of Christians before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus forgave him, and he entered his kingdom. Mary Magdalene, a prostitute, Jesus forgave her and she entered his kingdom. We must believe that Jesus' love is so great and his love is so great that he died for us in spite of our sin and is waiting to free us and our friends from from bondage. If it was not true, he would not have given us a great commission that's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We must defeat the doubt that Satan wants to put in our minds that Jesus can save or that Jesus will save or that people are beyond salvation. The depth of our faith, our belief in who Jesus is and how greatly he loves will determine the lengths to which we will go to bring our friends to Jesus. Do we believe Jesus can free our our friends from bondage of sin? How badly do we want them to be free? Now, the depth of our faith coupled with the love will drive us to never quit trying to introduce our friends to Jesus too. The paralytic's friends brought the paralytic to the house and it was blocked by people who wouldn't let him in. Their belief that Jesus could heal and love for their friend caused them to look for alternate means to get Jesus in. When we try to bring people to Jesus, you know what? We will always find people get in our way. There's always somebody out there who's trying to prevent us from bringing our friends to Jesus. It may be the deniers who say that Jesus doesn't exist. It may be the religious who say that Jesus doesn't work that way. It may be the scoffers who call us names and mock our faith as old-fashioned. In Acts 4, uh, we see Peter. He's, Peter and, and, and John are called before the Sanhedrin because they healed a lame man outside the temple. Sounds very similar to the story we have here. In Acts 4, 16 through 18, it says, and the, the, the council has listened to Peter and John, and they, they gathered together and said, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, so they don't refute the facts. Clear to, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in, in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. They were trying to stop these people from bringing friends to Jesus. Well, Peter and John, um, they don't believe that that's the right thing to do, and here's their response. And it's in Acts 4, 19 and 20. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. 
so it's kind of nee, 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 nee. Uh, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. If you look at our society, we know what happened in this town. There are organized groups in our society that are doing everything they can to stop the message of Jesus from taking hold. The best thing that we can do is be friends to others and bring them to Jesus. It doesn't take an organization to bring somebody to Jesus. It just takes a friend. Society can't shut down friends. We must not be afraid to try something different. The friends of the paralytic did not bow to conventional means to get their friend to him. They had to schedule an appointment with Jesus. And Jesus can have your secretary call here. I want to set, you know, maybe a 9 o'clock on Thursday. Would that work for you? Uh, no. And they didn't politely wait outside in hopes of catching Jesus when he left after everybody had worn him out. No. They looked for a different way in. They created an opening where none existed. Sometimes the structures that exist are the barricades that keep people from coming to Jesus. No door, no window, no problem. We're going to create a skylight. Okay? Sometimes to bring a friend to meet Jesus, we have to create the opportunity outside the normal structures. You can't get them to church, try a small group. Can't get them to a small group, try a one-on-one. Can't get them to meet with you one-on-one. We have a wonderful resource called rightnowmedia.org. Get them onto that and suggest a video for them to watch. They're not interested in the video, introduce them to somebody else who loves Jesus. Look online for Christian events, speakers, concerts, plays, comedy shows. Invite them to a men's or women's or couples or family retreat at Big Sandy Camp. They have kids under 12, invite them to come to our Wednesday night kids clubs and the harvest party. They have kids, again, offer to bring them to Adventure Club or youth group. As we go through all of this and we're seeking to bring our friends to, to Jesus, the most important thing that we can do and throughout the entire process, is keep praying. Pray, pray, pray that Jesus would open doors, paths, give us ideas, put events in the way um, that he would work in the hearts of our friends because only Jesus can change a heart. We can argue with people all we want, but it takes Jesus to change a heart. And arguing usually doesn't do anything except create conflict. But we're better off trying to love them Present to them what Jesus is doing in our lives. That's called testimony. Tell them what Jesus is doing, and, and then that will draw them in when they begin to see the truth of Jesus in our lives. We must never give up. I, I want to say that again. We must never give up, and we must believe that Jesus wants to save them. In, uh, I think it's Second Peter. I forgot to put the whole reference here. On 389, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. But the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So God is patient. We need to be patient with our friends as well. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand of delay, but is patiently with is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So Jesus wants every single person to come to repentance. There's not a single person on this planet that he wouldn't love to have join him in heaven. And we don't know why some don't, but if we can pray this for our friends, in 1 John 5 it says if if we pray in God's will, we know that we already have it. We can keep praying and praying until the day they die or until the day that we die. 
but God will call them into his presence. Jesus wants us wants to free our friends from their bondage. He wants them to spend he wants to spend eternity with them too. He wants us to want them to spend eternity with him. Will we be true friends who take people to meet Jesus? Will we let the depth of our faith and our love drive us to do all that we can with the power of God at work within us to bring our friends to him by any means possible? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you're a great God, and we love you. And Lord, you know, we know that you love us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to have the strength of resolve, the depth of faith, Lord, to bring our friends to you. And Lord Jesus, as we bring them to you, Lord, we pray that you would answer our prayers and open their hearts and cause them to cross over into the kingdom. Lord, we don't want anyone uh, from Belle Plaine or Jordan or the surrounding area to spend an eternity without you. We want them all with us when we get to heaven. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to identify who it is we should be praying for today. And Lord, that we would begin building that friendship to the point where we can bring them into your presence. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.